0: The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at GraceCitySD.com.
1: When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave, to, gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Father God, uh, first of all, thank you just for this time and this day of being able to come together as a body and worship you, Lord. Um, I just pray that today the words of you being the only true God really uh, just impact our lives and our hearts. Lord, uh, may this word just transform our hearts and our life. Um, Here's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Sal. Hey, good morning. How's everybody doing?
0: Good. Family Sunday. Hey, I love this. Here's why. And this is why we do this. It's not just to give volunteers a break, which they're awesome. Um, But one of the values for Grace City is that we are a church family. And I think many times what happens is we divide up the family, we put them in different places, and we never come together and worship Jesus. Here's the heart. We want our kids to know and love Jesus. And we also want our kids, parents, listen to me, we also want our kids to see their parents worshiping Jesus. Opening up the Bible, knowing what it's like to, to worship in an environment like this, right? So there there are different things that are like values behind some of the things that we do, and that's what Family Sunday is about: is coming together, knowing that we are one big family in Jesus. And so I want uh, parents to just take a minute, take a deep breath, let it out. It's okay if your kids talk a little bit, scream out because they're just loving what's happening up here. It's all good. It's all good, okay? I got my two little ones down here, and I got my big boy, my seven year old, up in the sound booth right now. He says he's helping out. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. But it's okay. We're a church family. And so today, uh, we're going to go and, and start a new series, and we're talking about prayer. And the name of the series is Jesus' Prayer, and it's the text from John 17, 1 through 5. Uh, if you're just joining us, if this is your first time, we have started uh, back a year and a half ago, going through the book of John, and we're all the way up to John 17. And today's message is this, a radical Reorientation. What is prayer? If you were to sum it up, it is a radical reorientation. See, many of the time our our, our thoughts, our mind go into different places. And what is what does prayer do? It realigns us with God. With the truth. There's this book by Eugene Peterson called Answering God and he goes through the book of Psalms and and really if you look at the book of Psalms, they're prayers. But I want to read this little point to you. He says this, prayer is the means by which holiness and health is grafted into the unfaithful parts, inserted into the empty parts. There are parts of our lives right now that are not filled with God, right? The ideas of God, the thoughts of God. And so when we come to God in prayer, we say, God, we take these thoughts to you, and we ask, God, you fill them. Fill them with yourself. Fill them with your word. Fill them with your truth. God, I need you. And so over the next month, we'll be studying Jesus' prayer, and it's in his farewell discourse, In John 17. So Jesus is about to go to the cross and we see this glimpse into what Jesus is concerned about before he dies. In his biography of Apple founder and architect Steve Jobs, Walter Isaacson gives us a glimpse into what Jobs was thinking as he contemplated death. And here's what Isaacson writes in his book. He says, He talked about his experience in India almost four decades earlier. His study of Buddhism, his views on reincarnation and spiritual transcendence. And here's what Jobs says. I'm about uh, 50-50 on believing in God, he said. For most of my life, I felt that there there must be more to our existence than meets the eye. I like to think something survives after you die as jobs was approaching his death he was thinking is there a God what's this life about and what we find is as Jesus is praying he makes it very clear about who God is and what God is about so we're gonna be looking at that today because as Jesus reflected on his upcoming death we see that his mind wasn't self-centered but it's very selfless. And we need Jesus' prayer. We need this. See, I believe that this prayer that we're gonna read through today is very relevant to us today because Jesus displays this relationship with the Father that deep down, not some of us need, but all of us need this. All of us need this. I was recently listening to a talk called First World Poverty. First World po- Poverty, by Brian Fickert. And uh, he's an economist, and in, in his talk, he, he asked the question, why has there been such an explosion of mental illness in the United States post-World War II? And he goes on to say, in June, t- June 2002, a conference was held at Dartmouth uh, Medical School, in which the leading scientists and medical professionals were brought together to try to determine what was it that was causing the explosion of mental illness in America? And what these scientists discovered was the following in their study, Hardwired to Connect. Here's what they said. Human beings are fundamentally wired for relationship and that the youth in America are experiencing a breakdown, experiencing a breakdown in two, mari- two primary areas of relationships. One of those with other people, And the other primary relationship is with God himself. Secular scientists saying that a breakdown in those two relationships are contributing to mental illness. Dartmouth, that's their study. That's what they come up with. See, this is very relevant to us modern people. Because the more advanced we get, the more we realize we need prayer. We need a connection with God. And so how does Jesus help us in our prayer today? Well, what Jesus does is, as we read this prayer, it reorients us. It reorients us to who God is and what he's done. C.S. Lewis once said, he says, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time. Waking and sleeping, it doesn't change God, it changes me. Even this morning, as I'm fighting my tiredness, trying to get up, and then getting here after my coffee with my son, turning to my seven-year-old son and saying, son, can you just pray for me? And he looks at me and he says, dad, what do you need prayer for? <laughs> so, said, daddy's tired right now. Daddy is tired right now. Can you just pray that dad gets some strength? And he prays and here's what he, sa- he prays. He says, um, God, daddy is your man and I just pray that he gets the strength he needs. You know what that did? That simple prayer, I don't know where he came up with the God, God's man thing. I was like, thank you. <laughs> God's man. What it did was it reoriented me to him beyond my tiredness. We all need it. If you're a parent, you know you need it. You know it, right? <laughs> you know that. We need prayer. We need to be reoriented. So listening on, in on Jesus' prayer helps reorient us in three ways. I'm going to give you all three up front. It reorients us to, or it reorients our agenda. It reorients our desire. It reorients our purpose. Reorients our agenda, desire, Purpose. We're going to see this in the text today, so we'll break this scripture down together. And so the first point is, it reorients our agenda. Uh, Look at verse 1. It says, "When, when Jesus had spoken these words, so it makes a connection to what we talked about last week. If you weren't here last week, go back and listen to it. John 16, Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world. So he's connecting it to this, Okay. What well, we just read last week, John 16. Then what he does next, is says he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Jesus looks up to heaven and starts to pray. And what does he start with? He says, Father, The hour has come. Now, what we find here is Jesus is talking about an agenda. An agenda. See, the hour Jesus had talked about from the very start. If we look through the book of John, we've talked about this before. What is the hour? The hour is Jesus going to the cross. And so he's talking about a timeline here. And now Jesus is saying, this is it. The time has come. And Jesus is aligning himself saying, Father, this is the timeline that you gave me. This is the agenda you gave me. And what I'm praying is, that as I follow your plan, as I follow your agenda, God, that you would be glorified through it. That you would receive the glory. Jesus here is not seeking the praise of men. He's seeking the praise of God. Now when it comes down to plans and agendas, many of us love plans and agendas, right? We, we, every year we get that calendar out and we start putting in dates, dreams, visions of what this next year is going to look like. Planning out our life. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to get married here. And then I'm going to have kids here. And then I'm going to get this great job here and this promotion here. And I've got all these plans lined out. And what, if we pray about these plans or agendas, here's what most of the time our prayers look like. Um, Lord, here's my plan. Bless my plan. (laughs) Lord, bless this agenda because you see it, right? Like you see how it's going to work out. This is what I've got. God, I'm submitting this to you. Now you know your part, (laughs) right? You know your part, which is to come in and work it all out. And I'll just trust you every step of the way. But that's not what Jesus is praying here. That's not what Jesus is saying because what, what, what happens is, most of the time, when we pray those prayers, what we're praying for is for us to be glorified in that. Well, you know, as this happens, I, I, I'll give you some credit, God, along the way. But what we're really praying for deep down, if we're honest, is, God, it's time to glorify me. It's time to lift me up. You know the plan. You know the agenda. Here's what it is, God. And so let it happen. See, many times what we're doing is we're seeking our own glory, not the glory of God. See, it's much like Jesus said to the Pharisees in John 5.44. He says, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another? And do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. Where was where? Where's the focus of the plans and the agenda supposed to be on Him? What does seeking God's glory look like? It's saying, God, I want your agenda not mine your will be done around the age of 30 i had this crisis here's the crisis i didn't know what i was going to do next in life i'd been a youth pastor for 8 years and i was thinking okay god like what what what's next you know what am i supposed to do and and my prayers changed. As I started to pray about this, God, what's your agenda? What's your plan? It wasn't what I thought. See, Grace City is a year and a half old and I never thought I'd be a church planter. But God knew way in advance before I did. And and what we see is, is as I started to pray about it, I started to say, God, okay, not, not what am I supposed to do, but it started to change into, God, I will obey you in whatever you call me to do. I'll, I'll just do whatever you want me to do, God. See, a lot of the early prayers were, what am I supposed to do? Why am I here? God, are you still there? But much of it was because I was seeking my own agenda. <laughs> in my own timeline, and I had to get to a place where I was content in saying, Lord, if you kept me here forever, but I'm serving you, and I'm loving you, your will be done. Your will be done. What do we need more than anything? It's not a perfect plan that God blesses. It's a heart change is an internal change where it stops being about us. That's something only God can do. On this verse, Timothy Keller rightly says, he says, Jesus' prayer, or Jesus prays not to conform God to his agenda, but to conform his own heart to God's agenda. That's what this is. And and where does this reorientation take place? It happens in the pressure cooker. It happens in the difficulty. It happens as Jesus is on his way to the cross, the most difficult point in his life. And we need to see that. Because here's the thing, This prayer is a glimpse into the gospel. It's a a, a glimpse into what Jesus has done for us. Like what, what is this all wrapped up in? It's in this, that Jesus came to lay down his life, lay down his agenda, lay down what he could have done for you and me. And ultimately, we will never be able to let go of our plans, agendas, dreams until we see Jesus letting go of his life for us. Laying it before the Father. Saying, I love you so much that I would lay down my life for you. Not as a good example, but as our only hope for eternal life. Our only hope for real life. It's much like uh, Pastor John Fouché, I heard him once say, he says, put your dreams on the cross, let it die, and wait till the stone rolls away. That's what it means to be a Christian is as you see Jesus being laid in a tomb, rising on the third day, you do the same things with your dreams, with your agenda, with your plan, and you say, Lord, I'm putting it in there, and I'm just asking that you resurrect it whenever you want, on your timetable, in the way that you want it to be. Why? Because when we let go of our agenda and hold on to his, we experience how God's glory is so much better than our own glory. See, you and I weren't meant to carry that weight. It's only his. Whether we know it or not, we are either holding on to our agenda or gripping tightly onto God's. And the the way you find that out is in prayer. Lord, sort this out in my life, sort this out in my heart, help me to know what I'm holding on to right now. Because holding on to our agenda will either kill us, right? Stress, anxiety, greed, addictions. Or we'll surrender it into the hands of the one who was killed for us. That's it. He reorients our agenda in prayer. We see this happening with Jesus. The second is reorients our desire. So look at verses 2 and 3. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So Jesus is clear here about his desire for believers. You want to know what God wants for you? It's that you would know him. It's that simple. He says that 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 you would know the only true God. There's only one God. Jesus Christ, who you have sent. Right? Like that's it. Like He to know God. This is radical. And it is unique to Christianity to know God. You go to any other religious base in the world, like you look at different belief systems. It's not about this. Knowing God, having a personal relationship with God, but that God would desire to be with you, to be in a relationship with you, to care for you through all the difficulties and the pains and the trials. I mean, I said this before, but... This is the, the uniqueness of Christianity, that we have a God who suffered, like you and me, and is able to relate to us. He knows our suffering. How do you know you have a God who loves you? And, and He lived it, so that means he could relate to you, even in your most difficult moments. See, Jesus didn't come so that we could have a perfect life on earth, everything's great, our plan is going perfectly. He came so that we could have a relationship with God and go through the difficulties, through the trials, through the pains, knowing that God is with us, that God is with us, and that he loves us. Jesus says that knowing God is real life, true life, eternal life. See, most of the time, what's our desire in prayer? If we're honest, it's usually not to know God more. It's to see what God can do for us. Isn't it? It's like, God, oh, what can you do for me today? Got my hair cut the other day. I was uh, sitting there with uh, my girls and my son. He's getting his hair cut, and there's this older gentleman who comes in, and he sits down next to me. And, you know, I'm just kind of chilling out, hanging out with the girls. And um, he, want, he just wanted to talk. And so we just start having this conversation. And he starts opening up about his life. And he starts telling me um, about his past and um, being in Vietnam and, and all types of things like that. And, and uh, he's like, yeah, I just, you know, my, 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 he's like, looking at my kids who are just like on me, like clinging to me. He said, he's like, just remember that. Remember that feeling. Remember what that's like. Don't forget it. That's important. He says, I'm a granddad and all they want from me today is money. (laughs) He said, I gave all my money to my grandkids last night. Then he realized he didn't have money for the haircut, so he had to go to the bank. (laughs) many times we approach God like that don't we our desire isn't just for a relationship to talk with God to have know more about who he is it's it's to say God what, what can you do for me today and in prayer God reorients our desire from wanting more stuff to wanting him he's the prize he's the goal he's better than anything that we could get More stuff. And so lastly, it's a a radical reorientation to our purpose, our purpose. Check out verse 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. In this part of the prayer, Jesus completely goes off the grid. For us, he he starts talking about times that we have no clue about. He's the Alpha, the Omega, he is eternal, God. Jesus talks about a time with the Father before the world existed. See, what, what gets us caught up? What gets us stressed out? What gets us anxious? What gets us to this place where we feel like we've got to hold on to everything? It's right now in the present, isn't it? It's holding on just in fear, hoping that we're going to make it to next week. But Jesus is talking about a time before the world existed. If he knew what happened before the world existed, do you think he could be trusted with tomorrow? Because that was his message in Matthew chapter 5, 6, his Sermon on the Mount preaching he says don't worry about tomorrow I I, I got you covered I'll take care of you and so for us like why are we here God that's it there's a God that has existed Before we were here, before the world was here, we were created by him. And he says, you want to know your purpose? Come to me. Come to the one that was here before we were here. Come to the one who created us and gives us life every day. See, when we're able to just stop for a minute and think that there's an eternal God who desires a relationship with us, what if we started to pray, God, I want your purpose for my life. I'm tired of making up a purpose for for myself. I'm tired of trying to create my future. Chapter 1, it talks about the supremacy of Christ and that he holds everything together. Just think on that for a minute. (laughs) Jesus is holding everything together by his power. And as we pray and we think on His position of who he is we won't be so worried about ours because he'll be enough and he'll help us through so just some quick takeaway questions as we say okay what's gonna help me reorient my prayer to God as we look at Jesus's prayer the first one is this it's personal what agenda are you holding on to What agenda are you personally holding on to in your life? And here's my challenge to you. Would you start with this simple prayer? Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Because, again, how much stress, anxiety, feelings of fear are we paralyzed by? because we're not looking to God and asking him, God, what, what's your plan for my life? Your will be done. And what you'll find in that moment is that you're just standing in it. Right? Like he's got you right here where you are for his purposes. The second question is, whose glory are you living for? Whose glory are you living for? I was sitting with a friend recently. A, he usually plays the drums back here. I think he's in the back somewhere. And uh, we were talking, and I said to him, um, A, at times I really struggle with people-pleasing. I really struggle with the approval of man And he looked back at me and he says, Randall, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. I was like, thanks, eh? Thanks for being so caring, buddy. No. (laughs) But he told me that and he was affirming that because he loved me. He's my friend. Do you know how dangerous it is to live for the glory of people? It's dangerous. And that's why Galatians 1:10 says, the apostle Paul, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Do you hear that? He said, there will be things that will be diametrically opposed to pleasing men if I am serving Jesus. Am I okay with that? Am I okay with it? We have to take it before the Lord and say, God, whose glory am I living for? And lastly, this. Do you believe that God defines your purpose in life? Do you believe that God defines your purpose in life? One of my uh, favorite movies over the past few years has been uh, *Selma*, which was um, David Oyelowo I'm trying to, f- and uh, he plays Martin Luther King Jr. And in that, uh, we see the struggle facing racism and the prayers, Martin Luther King, Jr. And there were times where he had to make decisions that were not popular in the face of trial and difficulty. And he wrote down this quote in his book, uh, Strength to Love, 1963. Says this about purpose. He says, I'm convinced that the universe is under the control of a loving purpose. And that in the struggle for righteousness, man his cos- has com- cosmic companionship. Behind the harsh appearances of the world, there is a benign power. To say that this God is personal. It's to not make him finite, a finite object beside other objects or attribute to him the limitations of human personality. It is to take what is finest and noblest in our consciousness and affirm its perfect existence in him. So in the true, truest sense of the word, God is a living God. In him, there is feeling and will and responsive to the deepest yearnings of the human heart. This God both evokes and answers prayer. What makes weak people strong? God, what helps us to keep moving forward when we don't know where to go? God. Why is it possible that we can come and not just say, okay, I'm gonna be like Jesus, but know that he covers us in our weakest moments when we can't be like Jesus, when we don't know how to be like Jesus, when we struggle with being like Jesus. Because of Jesus is our, Jesus didn't say just be like me. He says, look at me and trust me and believe in me. It's our belief in Jesus that gives us the strength and power to be like Jesus. It starts with believing in him, trusting in him, knowing that my standing before God is taken care of because he did it all. He prayed the prayer in the most difficult moment even when I can't utter the words. See, and it's now because of Jesus, it says in Hebrews 4.16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. The throne of grace. What makes it possible for you and me to come near to God is not because we're good, it's because of grace. Grace. It's grace that draws us in. It's the undeserved love and favor of God that draws us in. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Are you finding it difficult today to pray? Start with the one who prayed for you. Start with the one who said in his hour, your will be done, Father. And what you'll find is grace that will overwhelm your life and come into your life and transform you into someone you could have never been on your own. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you hear us, that you're an answering God. And that Jesus, you have made a way for us. Lord Jesus, we pray that we remember the sacrifice that you've made. And that's what makes it possible for us to approach the throne of grace today. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.